Hey everybody, coming up on the Matt Townsend Show today, we are talking music. And not just because Skyboy is back. You know, I wanted to be nice, and we all know that that's his favorite topic in the world. But have you ever noticed how every generation thinks the next generation's music is terrible? Well, we're talking about the meaning and power of music coming up next, right after the news. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Longtime New Jersey Senator and World War II veteran Frank Lautenberg has passed away due to viral pneumonia complications at the age of 89. Governor Chris Christie will appoint someone to fill the seat until it's up for re-election next year. The Supreme Court ruled today police can take DNA samples from anyone arrested for serious crimes before they are tried, meaning their information will be in the system if they are convicted or not. One justice called the case the most significant criminal procedural case the court has heard in decades. U.S. military prosecutors portrayed accused Private First Class Bradley Manning as arrogant when he supposedly leaked massive amounts of information to WikiLeaks three years ago. If he is convicted, Manning could face life in prison. New York City had both the hottest weekend of the year and the most violent. Over two dozen people were shot in the Big Apple over a 72-hour period. According to police, seven of the shootings were fatal. The last victim of the Boston Marathon bombing was released from the hospital today with a long road to recovery still ahead as she lost one leg and the other was severely injured by the attack. The woman says she plans to walk again despite her injuries. In world news, after a weekend of violent protests and hundreds of injured police and demonstrators, the Turkish prime minister is labeling the protesters extremists and said they are walking arm in arm with terrorism today. The remarks may further stoke public anger, which has been directed at police and government. A fire at a Chinese poultry plant net left nearly 120 people dead early this morning, and more workers are still unaccounted for. Public criticism for poor regulations is being expressed throughout the country via social media. Torrential downpours in Central Europe are causing massive floods, especially in Prague, which is on high alert as floodwaters continue to rise. So far, at least four have lost their lives, and thousands of homes have been evacuated. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host and musical chief, Dr. Matt Townsend. Your relationship coach, your guide on the side. Today, we're talking music. And uh, that was my song. Um, but we're talking about the power of music. And I don't know why I'm looking at you, Bryce, because I'm not sensing music is your forte. Oh, I just play instruments and listen to music. And When I look at Skyboy, <laughs> he's got music written all over his face. Skyboy, welcome back. Thanks, Matt. We missed you, brother. Thank you. You look good. Thanks. Um, music. Yes. Why is it such a big deal? You're getting a degree in it, for heaven's sakes. Your parents want you to be a dentist. <laughs> That's a, not true. They probably want you to be an ENT, an ear, nose, and throat. I, I don't think. I really don't think they care. Don't they? I, they don't. They just. Like, they want me to. They want you to be alive. They want me to be cute, alive. Yeah. yeah. Married. And yeah. Bring grandchildren. They, my mom wants me to be married. Does she? Yeah. Music. That's the fastest way to get you married. It is because not you. Oh. <laughs> Because I'm assuming when you put a guitar in your hands and you put some lovely ladies around you, you just they start. That's what you'd think, and and I, and to some degree probably. But I think ladies like someone who can sing more than just somebody who can play the guitar. 
Oh, really? So if you can, if you're like an okay guitarist, like but a, killer a really guitarist. good singer, yeah. So an okay guitarist, like most of the guitarists, like most at a of the guitarists. Campus. So but there's then, a hierarchy here. Yeah, you've got to have the vocal cords. You got to be a good singer if you want the ladies. Your guitar, really? your guitar playing doesn't matter. What if you're like, okay, because see, I'm not a great singer. I'm okay, but I, I'm a dancer. Yeah, I've it seen, seems like to me really the dancing good. is what the ladies would like. Yeah, no, that's probably author? true too. No, I think you're, I think you're right on. <laughs> you're not buying it. <laughs> so uh, you're getting a music degree. We're talking on the show today, music and the power of music, and why I wanted to talk about this is. About two weeks ago, I think it was, I realized that um, I come in because I have about a 45-minute commute where I usually consume some food at 70 miles an hour. It's quite a safe thing to do. And um, then what I like to do is take a nap, which I never have time to do. So I only get to consume my food, drive my 45 minutes, get here. By the time I get here, I'm not pumped up. But I realized if I turn on some music, then life is good and I feel good about myself. So – that told us music matters. And I brought in two of the greatest experts in the history of all radio, uh, Mark Waite, Don Shaline. Right here, they have their own show on BYU Radio called Through the Garage Door. Is that right, Don? Get in here, Mark. Rock and roll. I'm about to show you. Two of the you. greatest experts in all of radio kingdom. I'm about to come. Kingdom Kong. Oh, that's King Kong. Okay, I'm about to play a song for you two that I just want your feel. Okay, when you hear it, because you, you have listened to the best of rock and roll music. From when? Let me, you guys go back as far as appreciating music, how far back? Like, give me a song. 500 years for me. Wow. I just came over from the classical radio station right that's, next oh, door. Oh, see, that's true. See, you're. I'm playing something from the 19th century right now. So yeah, I would you, I'd go back no, 500 but years. But you're weird. That's weird. That's weird. Up to about five years ago. So you like all music. And Mark is, no, actually, Mark is actually saying that because he lived. 500 years ago. I'm like, he looks that. great. Yeah, he really does for 500 I'm well-preserved. No, I, I can't stand country, and I can't stand hip-hop and okay. rap. Okay, okay, okay. I like good music. I like all good Okay, well, music. let me give you an example of good music, and this is from our generation, not even my generation. This is more from Skyboy's generation. Hit it, Sky. Opan Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. This, tell me this doesn't put the Beatles to shame. It probably would be a shame to hear that. Yeah, you're right. They're rolling over in their graves right now. A couple of more. Those that are able to. But the new generation, this is what, a billion people have been looking at this on YouTube. This no, it's, it's, not actually, the music. it's not the music that they're going for. But but I I can see it, yeah. You I feel can, the beat? Sure, absolutely. And and kind of the, the cut of the electronics and stuff like that, yeah. that it, it grabs you. And and he dances. See, back to dancing, Skyboy. That's what gets you the ladies is the dancing. It's true, yeah. Well, this is music that the Colonel, uh, Rob Sanders, uh, <laughs> would, would like. Colonel uh, Rob be- Sanders. <laughs> That's because a great nickname, by the way. I, I don't know. Rob's his name. I just, just destroyed Colonel Rob's Rob Sanders. <laughs> I, I get the appeal of the driving rhythm yeah. um, and, uh, you know, the electronics that you mentioned. But I, he and I had a big discussion about this yeah. a couple of weeks ago. I think there's uh, essentially a missing human element. There's not much humanity like in this modern techno, electronic yeah. dance music. That doesn't mean it's not fun. Twinkies are fun to eat. Oh, it's yeah. not real food. It, it's kind of like the little uh, 
the toys that you hang on your door at Halloween when a you know, trick or treater comes up yeah. and it starts going off on its little pattern. You know, but, you, yeah. that's music too. That's not but real, though. It's not well thought out. So you're saying this generational battle that because every mother on earth has heard her son's music and thought, "Oh man, turn that down." Yeah. It's from the devil. Our parents said the same thing. Did they say that? Yeah. Did my, you, but did you all fight. say that to your kids? Yeah. Nope. No. Let me no. think here. My, no, my, I actually didn't. One no. of my favorite quotes is from my friend, who, yeah. my age, who uh, is a, real, a great old. musician. His mom once heard the, the singer for Nazareth, and she said, that sounds like the devil's right-hand man. <laughs> and that quote sticks with us to this day. That's a great it's, line. It's, it's, you know, it was beautiful. But, so, but people hated the Beatles. Your parents oh, yeah. probably, yeah. oh. Those, my mom actually liked the Beatles. coming to? That, uh, yeah. The, Elvis. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Elvis. You couldn't only greasy only... hair. Elvis yeah. had an attitude, snarl. It's the yeah. end of the world as we know it. Yeah, but it, so, so it, does it, this it, go? I mean, but you really Frank don't Sinatra. like our Frank Sinatra. Jeff. Actually, got that same kind of rap. Well, but he's just classic. But not not when he what first came out. What was there to hate? No, even come, he was a crooner. Even hundreds of years ago, if yeah. there's something new yeah. that's not what we're accustomed to hearing, mm-hmm. it can be threatening and and distancing. Mm-hmm. And it takes a real music lover to make the transition yeah. to hear what's good about this new thing. Can you hear anything? Because you, you all get you get every genre from the last five hundred years, even the um, the mandolin, yeah, Renaissance, and the, Baroque, and the, yeah. That. yeah, love it. But is there anything you love today? That comes out in today's. Oh, absolutely! What like what's to, what's a song oh, uh, today? Jack that... Johnson, I like a oh, lot. Yeah, he's uh, awesome. I love. That's very sky boyish, by the way. Is it? Sky's the Utah he's Jack Johnson. He's, he is. Yeah. If if there's um, real musicianship, if there's thought, if there's humanity, if it makes me think something is great, but yeah. if it makes me feel something, that's what it's. That's, that, but you don't. Gong, gong make, make me do that. feel more than the than yeah. size Gangnam Style. That yeah. makes me feel something. It Anxiety. makes me sure I want to get up and boogie. Right? Even <laughs> don't do I don't that. dance. Don't shake your head. But I need to. I need to feel something. <laughs> Please. More than that. I need to feel something more than. But that's the music side. But you're. Maybe it's turning too techno. It's turning like too technologically based, where you don't have to even go. Half these guys probably can't play their music live. Right. Uh, and, and that's the problem with a lot of the the people who make it big now are not great musicians. They are great at marketing themselves. Yeah. And it's all about dancing. It's all about having 12 dancers on the stage with you with lots of flashing lights. Yeah. The Britney Spears, the that's Lady true, Gaga, huh? and they're all in the sync. Justin Bieber. Yeah. The music is the backdrop yeah. for the social experiment that's yeah. happening. But that, that's nothing new. We, no. we had that with disco. You know, well, that Elvis kind of used thing. to glitter them up. Liberace. Come on. There you go. There's a musician. But they didn't player. have dancers. They probably. didn't have a bunch of dancers. It, it wasn't about it, today's music. The popular stuff is more about the choreography uh-huh. than the music itself. Some of it. Now there is a definite folk movement, uh, kind of the the yeah. indie. Yeah. Or, or well, the, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, I'm trying to divide. You yeah, know, Jack yeah. Johnson and Madeline yeah. Peru. And, yeah, and, and they can sit Williams. on stage, and it's just them, a little Jason Mraz, those kind of guys that right. just sit out there and do it. There's We've had some, still making great music. We have a program on here called Highway 89. We get some uh, some of these independent acts coming through that played some really cool, do they? yeah, uh, folk acoustical, uh, you know, type of music. It's just uh, I'm amazed at what's what's out there right now that actually is very popular. Jazz has seemed to just disappear. Like that bluesy it's, jazz stuff was you mean huge. Smooth jazz. Yeah. Well, like yeah, like where they could just sit there and improv for an hour. I know that the radio stations are in trouble. Yeah, that's Quite been a tough format. Is that their deal? Yeah. yeah. 
but but mm. it's still out there. You'll still find it in clubs and that's and, the deal. Uh, is it's too. It's who's marketing it, right? If you're not, if you can't pull huge numbers, you're not going to be out there. But but well, I mean, you're out there, but you have to be found. Not what do they call it? The long the long tail uh, theory that that basically a lot of them are making it on small audiences and small buy-ins and things, but just a very long... Uh, uh, loyalty. Yeah, loyalty that, that they could just release a little bit at a time and, and that same crowd will keep buying it. Hmm. Well, that plays into my theory, which is, you know, this, I hate the music of you kids these yeah. days. Yeah, yeah, Here's where that comes from. There's two kinds of people in this world, music lovers and non-music, music haters, let's yeah. say. Yeah. People who don't really love it. Now, as teenagers... Everybody listens to music. Yeah. It's expected of teenagers well, yeah, to listen because that's how they do. That's well. That's how they define their categories. I'm a country kid. I'm yeah. a techno kid. Yeah. I'm a heavy metal kid. Right. And so they they divide they define their niches with their music. Problem is that by the time they're 25 or 30, most of them, or at least say half of them, will have stopped listening to music. Because it was part of their youth, and now they no longer have a use for it because they're not true music <laughs> yeah. lovers. Oh, well, yeah, they never the true music in. lovers are still listening to it when they're 30, 40, 50, 60, and on. And you can listen to a song. You can listen to Paul Simon uh, kind of over and over and over and over and over again. You know what I mean? You can because listen to Because there's quality there. There's substance there. Yeah. I, I have examples. My two older sons I would categorize as true music lovers. Yeah. I played for them music of my generation and the generation previous. The Because I, I like old music too. Yeah. To this day, they're still uh, in their mid-20s listening to that music and love it. That's cool. They found their own music too. Yeah. But they love my music. Okay. So my third son, youngest, I don't think he's a true music lover. He has no interest in my mm. music. He only likes the music of his group, of his generation, and I predict that in five or twenty, five or ten years, yeah. you're just jealous. He won't, he won't be listening to, to music anymore. <laughs> he'll be on, he'll be listening to talk radio if he's yeah, got a that's brain. True. Yeah, or or if they're still listening when they're thirty, forty, fifty, they're listening to that one radio station that plays those oldies yeah. hits oldies, from their teenage yeah, years, just, from the glory years, because that music ties them to their glory years. But they're not interested in growing. They're not interested in no. learning new music. Can you hear this song? Listen to this song, Mark. What is this, Robbie, Colonel Sanders? Oh, my darling. Knock three times. Tony Orlando and oh, Dawn. And Dawn. I, she was my first girlfriend <laughs> after Farrah. Uh-huh. She was my... T- I thought there was like three. Mem- two, two members of Dawn. Yeah, there were. Dawn was like Dawn two was girls. a plural. Oh, it was? Yeah. Well, who's so. the blonde girl? Oh, no, no. That was Captain and Tennille. Oh, there you go. man. You go was for she, Dawn. Wait a minute, no, that's she, fine. Was she the captain or was she Tennille? <laughs> oh, I don't even care. Yeah, which Tony. one had the sailor hat? See, but that, that was, was the captain. Those were that was a good music era. Don't well, you think? Did it, you like that? Well, there was we, garbage. We There's been we garbage. Yeah. Great yeah. music and See, garbage would, in every era. Yeah, if you were to ask me, the good music era it was 1970 to 72. Name names, you know. Oh, Emerson, Lincoln, Palmer, Jethro Tull. Oh yeah. Uh, yes, uh, the prog rock. When know. was bread? Bread was about that time. Ugh. Yeah, bread. I was. No, I, I love Chicago. Bread. Chicago. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Hey, See, uh, who are they? Those, those, those are kind of uh, – Mark has a certain um, macho approach to rock and roll that – What is the name of the – um, oh, my heavens. Same, I like a little more heads. Queen. Queen. Oh, yeah, I love Queen. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, I Brilliant. love Queen. They've got an so, edge to them. So why? What, what's, what makes those good? Is, is that just that they were better music or is it – Well, I, I think no, it was yeah. actually the time of life that each of us goes through that – Whatever was going on and in our lives at that time. And we tie it to that time, time don't yeah. we? Yeah. But see, those were, yeah. My, I think I like bread simply because my sisters played it every day of my life. I don't even know if I like it. Well, there's music that my uh, siblings played all the time. Some of it now I love and some of it now yeah. I hate. 
ABBA. Well, it's got its place. It's fun. I like ABBA. It's fun. Come on. It's good feeling. It's Back happy then, music. Good it's happy music. And I used to, about that same era, when the Carpenters were very Carpenters. popular, I used to just hate them and pick on them and make fun of anybody. Because they were uh, squishy, soft, Well, yeah, it was love, kind of love. the all soft, lovey-dovey kind of stuff. I have to admit that I kind of like some of those songs now. I go back is it because we like, soften? Yeah. What is it? Is it like that we... It's the association. Fond it's association. association. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you got... If you had... If you were traumatized listening to a song, you're probably not going to like this song. Okay, I got one. Here's here's one for you that will yeah. get Mark Waite. There's a secret song that he really loves that was that same category. What? Tony or Terry Jack's Seasons in the Sun. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I, I love that one. Seasons in the Sun. Yeah, it's sappy. Come on. I love it. Sappy, but that's good. But I mean, music from bread is sappy, and oh, I don't like totally. it. So a lot of it is, well, you know, like where you're hearing Earth it supply. and what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Air oh. supply. Our air supply. What's it called? Earth, Earth, wind, Earth, and fire, Earth, wind, and fire supply. Earth, wind, and fire supply. The Jackson 5. There you go. Yeah. See, that was my childhood. It was too dancey. I'll well, be you didn't there. Have to, again, I'm a dancer. Yeah. That's right. You're the dancer of the crowd. Isn't this amazing? But it does. There's so many memories attached to it. And then aren't we just fighting our memories? We're just fighting. So what we're trying to defend is our life. It's very music. personal. It is very personal. You, you you have a song that I have a song that that really just takes me back. And and I'll sit down even on our show on through the garage door. I'll sit down and go, okay, guys, listen to this. This is so great. It takes me right back to that time in high school, and I play it. And you can kind of see a little glaze over, and people, okay, <laughs> nope. how long is that song? That's again? kind of uh, boring. Yeah. Well, hmm. I would say there's two categories. Then there's there's music that may or may not be good, but we have fond personal associations. Yeah. With. And then there's music that is just universally good by a standard of what is high quality it's intelligent yeah it it's got humanity to it it's got musicianship it's got craft and discipline yep. creativity there are songs out there that are universally good you may not you don't have to yeah. like those specific songs but you have, po- to, you have to popular bow to them that but this is i may not like it but it's a good song who votes for that though who, who is it That's that says, I do, so I do. It is Mark Waite that votes for that. I will be the arbiter of taste. Well, Thank you very much. That's bad because you're, you're the one that spins all the records. Come on. Well, that it's good that I have control. Audience. I'm a control freak for a reason. It's, isn't that fascinating? Because it really is. We, it's the money that seems to say what, what songs are good or not, but not really. I mean, the best marketer could win the best song. Yeah, yeah. And it's honestly. Happened. Look at the Archies. Or, I don't know, you know, the monkeys. Well, pop music. I mean, there's a place for light pop music, and yeah. that's a lot of what's Where happening Where is that today. place? Well, you, we at just the heard the Gangnam style. At the no. mall. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Well, it's, it's in, the, it's in the, the concert venue with thousands of 14-year-olds jumping up and down, yeah. screaming, Taylor whether it's Swift. the Beatles or whether it's Taylor Swift or Gangnam style and Psy. It's uh, the simplistic pop music appeals to the lowest common denominator, yeah. and so you get the biggest audience because everybody gets it. Nobody sure. has to work at it. That's why right. Classical 89 has the most niche audience because yeah. it takes effort to and time and mm-hmm. investment. Now, this was a classic uh, contest between Paul McCartney and John Lennon because that was kind of – John Lennon thought that Paul McCartney was the simplistic pop, nothing yeah, much in those pop. lyrics, but it's, it sounds like you know kind of sugary. And John was deep, and I'm deep into my angst and stuff like that. In his own mind. Well, well yeah. But but I, th- I think that exists in a lot of uh, realms that there is depth even in some of the pop stuff. Okay, answer you know, me this. can be. No, there's, no, gotta... there's no reason why there can't be. There yeah. just seldom is. So, so we have two it. different styles even between you two. One of you drives a muscle car. Green, lime green. <laughs> oh, I thought and, it was mine. And the other drives. I have a, a muscle Prius. A Prius. <laughs> so okay, and so if, so you get one album. You get one album to drive in your muscle car, Mark Waite. 
What's the one album you get to listen to for a month? Don and I have very similar musical tastes. Actually, but would, they, would the music actually, actually work the same in a muscle car and a Prius? It seems like it would sound different. Yes, because for me, it would be augmenting the the giant thrust of the, uh, of the 444 <laughs> horses that I have. And for Don, it would help him to pretend that well, he's got 444 horses. The subtle horses. hum of a Prius no, might to, to actually me, help. It would, it would just song. aid in the smile I have as I pass all those gas let's, stations. Let's, <laughs> let's go with uh, Queen hour. Night at the Opera. That, that, that'd be close for me. I'm in love with my car, Prophet Song, of course, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, that's yeah. a good one. See, that would be pretty muscly. That, mine would be a little lighter than that in some ways, but more complex, which is kind of like that yeah. hybrid engine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be a hybrid of types of what music, would you, what would, would be you Jethro Tull, Thick as a Brick. Really? Yeah. Because it, it, it goes a long time, and that goes, you know... Longer than from gas station to gas station. That's you. Well, your, your Prius needs a long, yeah, long, long, long run. 40-minute <laughs> wow. song. That's Good one stuff. song. One kids, song, 40 minutes. Kids, that's one song, 40 minutes. Yeah. See? That's like, that's that like takes a, patience. That's like the old school. That's like something you'd hear from a concerto or something, right? Well, and right now so. I've got a piano concerto on that is 40 minutes. It's funny. Which allows you, you to, I had to put on a, I had to put on a long piece so I could run next oh, door that's here. that's sad. Mark Waite, Don Shaline. Now, they can find you guys through the garage door when? That is 11 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday evenings. You don't want to miss it. We're going to wrap up with Gangnam Style because uh, Skyboy is the one pushing the music now. Thanks, gentlemen. Appreciate you. Thanks, we're going to take a break from the Matt Townsend Show. When we come back, we're going to get into this music issue. Is it a bonding thing? Is it something that makes us mad? Does it bring peace or does it just cause wars? We're talking music right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Art specialists could soon be watching their work live in 3D from the inside. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. The cardiac specialist wants to operate on your heart. You have a slight rhythm problem with the way it beats, and by going in and separating a nerve from tissue inside the heart, the doctor can cure you. But until now, he couldn't see clearly how he was doing it. A new development in miniaturized ultrasound transducers will let the doctor see inside your heart while it's beating in 3D from any angle. RTI International makes the new award-winning device, which may go to test trials with patients soon. Their breakthrough is shrinking the element that makes the ultrasound pulses into a tiny sliver of silicon, etched just like integrated circuit chips for computers. The miniaturized device, about the size of a grain of rice, sits at the end of a catheter and makes its way to your heart through a leg artery. Once inside the right side chamber, it can image the entire left side chamber, including the valves, in crisp detail. With this live volumetric ultrasound imaging, the doctor can rotate his 3D view to see the operation site from any angle and use a second catheter tool to fix your heart. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Traveling with Eric Dowdle is obviously about traveling, but it's also about painting, food, trivia, culture, friends, and history. So you could say it's pretty weird. 
Are people competing to be weird? Because I think we could probably give them a run. Is there? Can we put that on our thing? The you weirdest show. Or the, the weirdest show on BYU Radio. Uh, I think we I would think be we right up there. One. Catch traveling with Eric Dowdle weekdays at 9 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about music and the power music has on us, on our lives. We've got some awesome guests coming up in a bit. But uh, before we do that, we're going to go to Bryce Tobin, also an awesome guest. And uh, Bryce has a little bit of a bone to pick with the soundtracks you hear in your movies. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. I like music. When Julie Andrews sang, these are a few of my favorite things, music is one of my favorite things. But sometimes, music can be used for evil instead of good. This week I went to see a scary movie. The movie was really good. I was scared, I jumped, I was disgusted, and I was finally relieved when everything was tied up at the end and I realized they weren't going to try and scare me anymore. And then later that night I had a little trouble sleeping, so the movie effectively hit all the earmarks of a quality horror flick. Even though it was good, the movie still gave in to the scary movie trope of using the music to forcefully make something scary. There's some things that are scary on their own, like being attacked while in the shower, or something leaping out from the shadows, or a toddler running at you with jam hands. But when movies use music to make the scary, it comes in two forms. The most noticeable, I think, is when the music slowly drops out and all the ambient noise effects and the stepping of the victim gets way louder and you can hear their breathing... Trembling and the camera creepily zooms in to obscure your view of the surrounding environment so that you can't see anything coming. And then, pow! Something happens and I jump and I maybe squeal a little bit. Thanks, movie. Thanks for shredding my dignity in public with a cheap scare. Now, movie veterans like myself pick up on this technique pretty quick. And if you're really paying attention, you'll notice your fellow audience members react when the music disappears, whether they know it or not. They'll stop munching on popcorn, they'll pay very close attention to the screen, they'll breathe quietly. But as a tool to increase tension and anticipation, a sudden jump in decibels is cheap, but pretty dang effective. Another method is a sudden shift in tempo or pitch. When the monster is attacking their unfortunate victim, the music often changes to screeching violins. I can think of one movie in which all the monster's doing is clumsily crawling over to the victim. But while this is happening, these violins are going crazy, and through the crawling process, my anxiety level was through the roof. And researchers have looked into why this is so unnerving. To the brain, the screeching of violins registers the same way as a squealing, dying animal's cry. And our automatic teeth-grinding anxiety response makes sense, because that noise usually means something terrible is happening. Like, have you ever heard an injured rabbit cry? If you have, I know your pain. If you have not, I can't ethically recommend men that you check out what that sounds like. But if I were to describe it to you, it's a noise I would not be surprised to hear coming from the depths of the underworld as another unfortunate soul is added to their infernal ranks. But tempo is the more interesting way of manipulating the music. You usually see something like this when a victim is being chased. The drums and the music become louder and more prominent, and the beat becomes more and more frequent, like it's the pounding footsteps of the creature right on our heels about to overtake us and enact our doom. But... It's all an illusion. We've all heard that a horror movie has very little horror when you watch it on mute. And it bothers me when a movie leans so heavily on the soundtrack instead of having the creativity to make villains that are legitimately scary and situations that are unnerving on several levels without resorting to grossness. The music is great for enhancing the scary, but if it disappears, the scary shouldn't disappear with it. That's not what music is for. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. 
Don't forget to be awesome. It's true that um, if I speed up my talking pace, I can drive people crazy. Yeah. And it like your heart rate goes up and mm-hmm. you're just listening. If you lean in. Yeah. And talk Eye like contact. This. Breathy talking. Yeah, but then some people think, ooh, that breathy. Like, ooh, oh, man. Need a mint. Need an Altoid. That guy's pretty hot. Um, you you really thought a lot about that, by the way. I did. I analyzed. I can't watch a movie and just watch. Like, I can't just dumbly watch a movie. I didn't know you were this into music. <laughs> yeah. I, I sit there and I'll, I'll, I'll be like, okay, what are they doing? How are they thinking? What's the director doing? How are they, What's the lighting? What's the sound doing? I, can't, yeah. I just nerd out too much. I can't enjoy it. I know too much. You know too much and you like the movie. I did actually like the movie. Would you buy the soundtrack of all those scary things going on? <laughs> no. On. Well, actually, no. If you, you play it during Halloween when you're handing out candy, it might terrify people. Actually, no, it will terrify people. You're evil. But in a good way. Uh, good stuff. Ooh, wow. Appreciate you. Uh, Bryce Tobin, you did it again. Good stuff. And when we come back, this is it. Are you ready for this? We've got our very own McKay Crockett, who he's been, you name it, he's he's a Disney boy band uh, graduate? Graduate, I guess is the word. It sounds like <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, alum. Um, he's hung out with Sarah Bareilles, Nick Lachey from 98 Degrees. They've sang. He's been uh, on NBC's The Sing-Off, The Man, The Myth, The Legend. McKay Crockett's going to come back and help us learn about music and bonding and relationships right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The focus is on the family with Richard and Linda Iyer. During their show, Iyer's on the Road, they discuss the joys and hardships of parenting in the modern world. There's such a danger for parents of all ages, really, to live either in the past or in the future. And the tragedy of that is that every day in parenting is precious if we learn to see it as such. Iyer's on the Road airs Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Only here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. As Private First Class Bradley Manning's court-martial begins, prosecutors are working to portray him as an arrogant source of one of the biggest leaks of classified information in U.S. history. However, the defense is countering by labeling the accused as a naive but well-intentioned soldier. Manning could face life in prison if he is convicted. Longtime New Jersey Senator and World War II veteran Frank Lautenberg has passed away due to viral pneumonia complications at the age of 89. During his time in office, Lautenberg championed smoking bans, gun control, and transportation safety laws. The Supreme Court ruled 5-4 to four today in favor of allowing police to take DNA samples from anyone arrested for a serious crime before they stand trial, meaning their information will be in the system indefinitely regardless of if they are convicted or not. New York City had both the hottest weekend of the year and the most violent. Over two dozen people were shot in the Big Apple over a 72-hour period, according to police. Seven of those shootings were fatal. The last victim of the Boston Marathon bombing was released from the hospital today with a long road to recovery still ahead as she lost one leg and the other was severely injured by the attack. The woman says she plans to walk again despite her injuries. In world news, after a weekend of violent protests and hundreds of injured police and demonstrators, the Turkish prime minister 
is labeling the protesters extremists and said they are walking arm in arm with terrorism today. The remarks may further stoke public anger, which has been directed at police and government. A fire at a Chinese poultry plant left nearly 120 people dead early this morning as more workers are still unaccounted for. Public criticism for poor regulations is being expressed throughout the country via social media. Torrential downpours in Central Europe are causing massive floods, especially in Prague, which is on high alert as floodwaters continue to rise. So far, at least four have lost their lives and thousands of homes have been evacuated. That's the news to half past the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we're talking about music it's and the power and kind of the intergenerational battles that go on. Everybody's had their parents say, turn off that rock and roll music. Or today, I guess it's turn off that pop, hip-hop, rap music. That's what I tell Skyboy every time I come. Turn off your blasted rap music. Um, but we're going to have an expert now. Forget the rest of us that are just, you know, we all think we like music. We've invited McKay Crockett to join us. Now, McKay Crockett, you may have remembered or may have noticed years ago. When was it? 2011. McKay sang with a group called Vocal Point, which was an internationally acclaimed vocal band that appeared on NBC's The Sing-Off. And you guys went to the final three? Final five. Five! You were yep. so good, though. It was a blast. And it was huge. And, um, and there, I mean, you're, it was all a cappella. All a cappella. No instruments allowed. Everything you hear is just from the voice. Huge. You also were a Radio Disney boy band member of the band Frequency. Yeah, back back in the day, I was 14. It was back in the day of, you know, Backstreet Boys and Sync. And uh, we decided to start this boy band. And Radio Disney picked us up. And we were the very first jam band. And we were called Frequency. How cool. Back in those days. (laughs) You've also been on stage with artists like Switchfoot, Sarah Bareilles. She was one of the judges on there. Yeah, on the sing off. Oh, that was a great show. Yeah. Ben Folds, Nick Lachey, Brian Stokes Mitchell. And uh, maybe more importantly, you got a degree in media music studies. So you're legit. I, yeah, I graduated last year <laughs> uh, in Media it. Music Studies right here from BYU. And uh, and then you went back to Vocal Point. They made you retire because once you're done with school, you can't be in that band, that's that group right. anymore. That's right. But then you said, well, fine, I'm just going to go and be the faculty artistic director. <laughs> yeah, I worked out. Our director at the time retired the same year that I graduated. How cool. And so it kind of worked out. I studied music. They needed a new director. Yeah. So it was funny. I was walking across the stage to get my diploma. And the director of the School of Music shakes my hand, says congratulations, and says, call me next week. I want to give you a job. So it, you it was serious? great. I graduated for about four seconds before I had my first job Did offer. you have any idea that was coming? You know, I, I, it, was, it was spoken about a little bit, but I didn't think it was going to happen quite that yeah, quickly. Yeah, not on stage when you're getting your <laughs> yeah, diploma. Yeah, exactly. How cool is that? Well, let's look at this because now, did you grow up with music in your family? I did. You know, my, uh, my family... Music is kind of everything for us. My dad was the music director for Donnie and Marie back on their old TV show. Are you serious? And my mom was a background singer on that show. So you grew up. I mean, you were whipped. Oh, it was it you was just Osmond everything. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, just music was a part of everyday life. We we woke up and music was playing, or in the evening we'd all gather around the piano and dad yeah. would play and mom would sing and we'd go listen or hum along and how cool. and so it was just part of everyday life. Okay, so tell me, what does it mean to you? Because to me, like we have a lot of music in our family, and um, my wife and I aren't really musically inclined. She is. She plays the piano, but I'm a dancer. I think I mentioned earlier. Awesome. Um, but 
but my kids are really taken onto it. Like to the point that I have a daughter that makes money playing in restaurants and teaching, and then I have a son that's doing really well on YouTube and stuff. So that's awesome. But it didn't come from us. <laughs> but it's actually it's a unifying force, isn't it? No, it totally is. And I think that there's kind of there's a few different degrees of music appreciation. I mean, I think no matter who you are, you can appreciate music to some degree, yeah, whether sure. it's because. It makes you feel happy or sad or, or it can, you know, relate to a certain experience. And then there's the other side where you start to analyze it and you know the chord structure and all that boring yeah. stuff that you learn right, right, in right. your music degree, right? But no matter who you are, you can appreciate music. And and I think that whether you're musically inclined or not, bring it into the home and, and making it a part of your family so that it can be appreciated and, oh, yeah. and you can use it for good is a really important thing. No, I've seen it even like on a Sunday. If I just want to create a better spirit on Sunday— all I got to do is put like more religious hymns on or like a Mormon tabernacle choir sure. or just anything that's more peaceful. And we have a more peaceful Sunday. Well, you know, it, it, it's said that music is the universal language. You don't have to speak any certain language to understand that's what huge. music is saying. Yeah. And uh, and no matter I mean, you think back to when you're in high school or when you're at a certain age of your life, you can kind of remember those songs and you hear them uh-huh. on the radio again and it yeah. takes you right back. Oh, yeah. And so whatever the mood you're trying to create, you can totally enhance yeah. that emotion by putting on a song. Howard Jones, Forever Young. Yep. Every time I hear that song, I think back to a dance in high school. It's not amazing. <laughs> See, there you go. After all these years. Wow. That's know. awesome. Is it warm in here? Because <laughs> I'm boiling up. <laughs> um, but you also, it's it, the relationships that were created. I mean, you and Vocal Point, your, your group, I keep calling you a band, the group, that had to have been a really bonding moment with all these guys. How many guys are in Vocal Point? There's nine guys in Vocal Point. And here you're on television. You guys were killing yourselves. I mean, you had uh, one of the parents of one of the members died. He did. And I mean, so tell me about the relationship side of music, not just vocal point, but what does music do to our relationships? I think music, unlike a lot of hobbies that at least I have, yeah. uh, it kind of it, it puts me right out there. I feel like I'm just really exposed. Like when you're and, performing? Yeah, or even when I'm creating or, yeah. or, or appreciating. Yeah. I'm Listening. out there and I and I... I'm saying this is who I am, this is what I do, or this is what I like. Yeah. And so that kind of exposing yourself like that can create really long-lasting relationships no, and, absolutely. And, and emotional experiences with other people. And so when you can kind of expose yourself to that bare level where you're saying to someone, this is who I am, and whether it's popular or not, I like this or, yeah. or I'm like this, uh, you know, music can make you feel that way, and, and it's it's something really special. And so being able to share that with someone, I think, can, can really strengthen that relationship. It seems like um, that's what would be the scariest thing to me if I were a singer or a musician is this is your baby. Right. This came from you. You, right. you have you have brought this baby to the world. Totally. And then you put it out there and you're like, does everybody like my baby? <laughs> <laughs> but people can just dismiss it's it true. like – and sometimes it, it takes some, some like really tough experience at first and you have to have thick skin yeah. because people say, oh, well, that's not very good or this is not my style or I don't like that. And and again, you're putting yourself out there yeah. and saying this is who I am. And so being able to kind of work through that definitely mm-hmm. creates a good uh, kind of thick skin for you yeah. and the people that you create that music with as you'd, well. You'd think though having the thick skin would actually minimize your vul- – like minimize what you offer. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? You almost want the vulnerable – it's almost like the best comedians you see or hear are the ones that kind of had a messed up life or childhood. <laughs> sure. And they gained all this empathy about life and then they can present it. But it almost seems like if you're a musician, because a lot of musicians too are struggling and oh, totally. you hear all these stories about the drugs and everything around the culture. But um, 
there's something about it, I guess, that you have to offer your light, your well, gift. Well, it's, it's such an outlet, you know, when, when no one else will listen, when no one else cares, you know, music yeah. will always be there to be that kind of yeah. support for some of those people. And for me, it is that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm blessed to be surrounded by a lot of great people. But sometimes, rather than talking my, my brains out, I would rather go just play the piano yeah. or, or go write a song. And for me, that helps, you know, my... My emotions oh, kind of come into balance. So true. So I have a son that's super talented, but he doesn't like he doesn't like doing it like I guess the way the rest of the world would. So you know, somebody that's really good at art, you'd think would stay in art, and he'll sure. get in it, and he'll like master it quite literally, master it, and then he won't do it. Again. <laughs> and he'll like go in and do sports and be an all star pitcher and hit a home run out of the park, and then he won't play. Get again. tired of it. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I've done. I've reached my max. But if I go in and sit down with him. Talk is cheap with him in a way. If you just sit and listen to him. So every time I go home, I'm like, Tanner, come play me something. And he'll pop up. Like, we can't get him out of bed. But yeah. he'll pop up, <laughs> run down, and he'll sit and play. But it is so bonding, isn't it? Like, it I is. literally bond with him, and we don't do any talking. And I think it's important that that parents or, or anyone really – that they don't uh, mistake that wanting to be by themselves to create that music yeah. is anything but good. Yeah, that's because right. sometimes it's just the outlet that yeah. they need in that moment to, yeah. to express themselves. That's and it's right. not that they need to be by themselves. They're truthfully with – I mean they're with – I think they're with God when they're yeah. creating music and, and creating a better them while yeah. they're creating music. And so it's a very positive thing to be able to create that kind of good, uplifting, positive yeah. music, whether it's alone or with other people or whatever. And I can also I can almost see the same thing happening when you're with your friends, like in high school and your kids are driving around and they're back in my day, Volkswagen bug. <laughs> but to have a bunch of friends together with some really good music with their head about them. Sure. Not going crazy. Sure. But it could be a seriously bonding thing or going to a concert together or going to a dance or a stomp together. I mean, it's it's healing. Well, how many times, you know, have you been listening to the radio or, or whatever and you hear a song and you listen to the lyrics and they are describing exactly yeah. what you're going through yeah. in your life or something that you just got past. Right. And I don't know why, but music, when, when you hear an experience that you've been through through music, sometimes it just it hits deeper than if somebody was to just kind of read the lyrics to you. So that, that combination of music and the lyrics, yeah. it combines into something so meaningful. And I don't quite understand yeah. the science, but yeah. but I know that it's there. And it's and it's something important to cultivate and, totally. and be able to recognize. That's the meaning making. I mean, really, like, it is. Everything in life has to take on a meaning. So a song like a John Lennon song, Imagine, right. at the right time in the right place could be, you know, incredible. Oh, it, it, it can it can save you from... Depression. Uh-huh. It can it can take you out of a, a horrible place. It can also make you feel happier when you're already feeling happy. Yeah. You know, we are the champions. Why do they always play that when oh, somebody man. wins the championship? Totally. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it, it does. It. it has that power to augment whatever you're feeling, whether that be sad or happy or any anything in between. Which may be telling. So it might be great for parents out there to be listening to what your kids are listening to. Oh, absolutely. It's telling you about what they're feeling. Oh, totally. If. And Don't I, judge it, but hear it. And I think it's it's important too to uh, to recognize where they're coming from through that music, yeah. because if that's their outlet, uh, maybe they're not getting something on another side of life, and uh-huh. you can help provide that other yeah. thing so that that maybe negative music doesn't need to be that outlet. Yeah. Does that make sense? It seems like we almost just yeah we almost just ex- like dismiss it like that's a bunch of garbage. Right, right. Instead of figuring out what it means, is uh-huh. this just the boy trying to express pain? Or is this the boy because the words say what he needs to say? Or is this where he's he's gone to? This is the group of people he's going to be hanging out with? Or and music can can you know tell a parent a lot about 
what uh, what kind of friends yeah, their child oh, is hanging totally. out with or what kind of dreams they have or yeah. what kind of things they want to accomplish in life. I think that if we, even ourselves, if we paid attention to the music that we really like, if yeah. we just kind of sat down and made a list of our favorite bands or yeah. artists or musicians, uh, it would tell us a lot about ourselves that maybe we didn't realize. Oh, huge. Um, who's the country western singer, female that talks about um, the boy that cheats on her. Uh, Carrie Underwood. Carrie Underwood, yep. and she keys his car. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, if your daughter's listening to that out there, hey, you need to talk to your daughter. <laughs> yeah, apparently, they broke up. Uh, exactly. They broke right. up, and, and things aren't going so exactly. well. Exactly. <laughs> Funny stuff. We're talking with McKay Crockett, who um, right now serves on the faculty as, as the artistic director for Vocal Point at Brigham Young University. They're that uh, that group, that boy group. Are there girls? There's no girls? No girls. There? Nine guys, um, and they, a few years ago, were on NBC's The Sing-Off. Now they're just you know furthering the next generation. We're going to come back, talk more to McKay about uh, music and the power it has to influence other people. This is the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A welder's eye view for industrial processes sees the unseeable with help from NASA. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Welding goggles and helmets are absolute requirements if you want to save your eyesight. The glare of a welding arc, cutting torch, or plasma sprayer could blind a human or even most cameras in a very short time. But then how can you see your work? What's really happening right at the hottest spot? NASA's Marshall Space Flight Center found a way, in partnership with a private company, through a small business innovation research program. Together, they created a method for seeing something as bright as a plasma arc by lighting it up with something even brighter. A laser strobe system and specially tuned cameras called pyrocams can see through blinding glare right down to individual particles in a hot plasma stream. Using this new insight, manufacturers can tune and perfect how their welders weld and cutters cut, making stronger welds with less waste. Or they can watch blazing hot ceramics while they're still in the kiln. Someday, a giant 3D printer may use focused sunlight to melt moon rocks into building material for astronaut bases. And thanks to this innovation, we'll be able to see how it's working. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Traveling with Eric Dowdle is obviously about traveling, but it's also about painting, food, trivia, culture, friends, and history. So you could say it's pretty weird. Are people competing to be weird? Because I think we could probably give them a run. Is there? Can we put that on our thing? The you weirdest show, or the, the weirdest show on BYU Radio. I think we I would think be we right up there. One. Catch Traveling with Eric Dowdle weekdays at 9 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Joined today by McKay Crockett. He is uh, teaching us about the power of music, the power of music to heal, the power of music to create stronger relationships, and to influence people. And uh, McKay is on faculty here at BYU. He's the artistic director for Vocal Point at Brigham Young University. You'll remember Vocal Point were one of the five finalists on NBC's The Sing-Off in 2011. And an acapella group, just flat out amazing. But McKay, I mean, a lot of people think like people like Sarah Bareilles and Ben Folds, Nick Lachey. They, a lot of people think they're great. 
But they're not McKay Crockett. And McKay Crockett, because, because McKay Crockett was with Frequency, which oh, was a Radio Disney oh, boy band. <laughs> Something like that. Those, those were the days. <laughs> those they? were the days. Now, McKay, you tell me about, okay, so you have a camp yep. coming up. Um, and, okay, so tell me what the goal of a camp is. Because, like, a, 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 a music camp sounds sounds like, oh, boy. Sounds kind of lame, right? You get yeah. your khaki shorts and your yeah. backpack and yeah. you want to hike up to the mountains or something. Yeah. Now, Remix Vocal Academy is what the camp is called. And uh, it's for youth ages 13 to 23. And what we do at the camp is, is we teach kids the power of music. We talk about how influential they can be if they polish that skill of music and use it for good. Yeah. And uh, it's a week-long camp. We have it here in Provo, Utah. We have instructors coming in from all over the country uh, to teach about some of the skills that they've learned that have helped them create positive music in the music industry. Huge. Yeah. And it's it's got to be major esteem builder. Oh, it's amazing. Because they're in their talent. They are, and, and they, they're surrounded by kids who also love music and want to pursue that music. And I feel like sometimes we have these, we have these desires and we don't know how to... to you know, where to take them and, yeah. and where, where that outlet is. Yeah. And Remix is a really great opportunity for, for kids to come together, find the people that also want to use those skills, right. and then uh, put them towards something that will create good in the world. Yeah. I love that earlier you said it's kind of like, I mean, I believe that we all have talents. And when we exercise our talent, we're, we're as close to deity as we can be. Totally. Because we're so, it's not about me, it's about this gift. So it seems like if we're going to grow self-esteem... It would be in our talents. Totally. You know what I mean? I think, I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions. And, and truthfully, it's super sad to see that, that people create these talents or, or develop these talents yeah. and then give the credit to themselves or think that they're made to oh, yeah. bring them pleasure. And, and sure, it, it, part of it is to make you feel happy. But talents, no matter the talent, is to help you serve other people. Mm-hmm. And it, the sooner you can recognize that, the, the more you enjoy creating those talents uh, and, and making them better. Oh, yeah. And, and, and it's so sad to see people stuck in this whole, I'm better than this person or, or, or this is what yeah. I want to do. And when they can finally just get past that and say, you know what, I am here to serve. It, it's amazing that you can start to enjoy that even more than when you were doing it for yourself. Yeah, totally. Well, it seems like, too, the minute like the business end of music gets involved – it starts to not be fun anymore. Exactly, isn't that true? And it then is. it burns them out. And I mean, I look at these these kids. Really, even a Justin Bieber that's on tour, but you keep hearing stories about how he's kind of blowing up here and there and having problems. And it's like it makes no. I mean, it makes sense. How could he not be on tour and exhausted, trying to make money, and uh, also too, because you you do you start to lose the the passion that this is about giving back. Even though he gives back, it just sure. seems like it's not. You lose your identity. Well, and when you're in that place, everyone's telling you that you are the best thing in the entire world that's yeah. ever been created. And I have received some really great feedback one time. It was uh, some people will tell you that you are the best thing in the world and some people will tell you that you are the worst thing in the world. And neither of them are right. That's right. You fall somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle. And so being being able to, to get past the whole it's about me, it's I'm so great, and knowing that you are just using the talents that you've been given and that you've developed Huge. to serve others, it, it a lot of times can help. Get rid of that drama and yeah. that, you know, that mind game that you play with yourself. Love that. So if there's a parent out there driving home, uh, they just had a day full of work. They know their kid likes music because every time they go home, he's playing something. Um, what should parents be doing to, to teach their kids this idea that 
there's some fire, there's some more, you know, this beautiful light inside of you, this talent that we want to grow. What should they be doing with their kids? I think the first thing that they need to do, which we kind of touched on earlier, is recognize what music their kids are are yeah. listening to Get and creating. Them. Yeah. Know that the, the, the things they're listening to have a, a direct influence on what they're thinking about and, mm-hmm. and all of that. Uh, the second thing is is talk to them about it. Ask them if, if they want to pursue something. And, and for yeah. sure at first they'll say, no, it's just yeah. a thing and whatever. Yeah. But but you can tell after a little while if these kids are, are you know messing around in their room with their guitar for hours every oh, day. Yeah. That that's something they want to do. And so talk to them and, and get get to kind of that deeper level of figuring out where they're at in that music. Yeah. And then and then third, providing them with positive music. And some, some kids are, are very anti anything their parents want to yeah, give them. Yeah, totally. But just play it in the background. Play it while you're in the car. Play uh-huh. it, you know, in your room and let them know that that you are, you know, providing yeah. that emotional support through music. And I yeah. think you'll be, you'll be surprised at how quickly that'll translate over and they'll start to listen to some of those Well, things. and ask them, what does it mean to you? So when you listen to this song, what does that mean to you? Sure. If, I mean, if they'll open up. Some kids just will be like, I don't know. Well, and so much of the music today is about you know, living the crazy lifestyle and the big fancy cars yeah. and the tons of money and being able to step past that and, and listening to those songs with deeper messages. Yeah. Uh, if you can get your kids to do that and finding good music, and there's so much good music out there that talks about those really positive oh, yeah. things. And, uh, and yeah, if you can talk to them about that and get them thinking, uh, it, it, it creates great lasting memories and relationships. Isn't that huge? Yeah. In fact, it's, uh, um, Taylor Swift just played here in Salt Lake City, probably 22,000 people. Yeah. I mean, that's that has got to be a crazy ego dance. Sure. Except, um, but it, it seems like what's more important is like when you hear these stories of Taylor visiting somebody that's got cancer. Right. And so it's, I think inherently everyone wants to be able, they, they, they want to become famous so they can give like Taylor. Right. <laughs> sure. Right? And And I think that, in our in our fantasies that we all you know we're all we're all there already or we yeah. want to be there and and knowing that that probably won't happen is something that we can all maybe just come to grips with right. first of all <laughs> and then remembering that we can we can give back in our own ways yeah. uh, we don't have to be Taylor Swift but that music whether it's going and singing in a in a rest home or singing in a religious service yeah. or singing at a funeral or writing a song that's meaningful to someone else those are our ways to give back and you don't totally. have to be a billionaire to be able to no. do any of that. I love the story. You told us a story last time you were on when you were on um, the NBC, the sing off you, there was a story about some guy and I don't remember who it was that, that had a party to go to. What was that about? Yeah. So it was uh, boys to men, Sean Stockman. Uh-huh. He was one oh, of the yeah. three judges yeah. after. So the night we got eliminated from the show, we were walking to our van and uh, he pulled around in his, like, super nice car. <laughs> and we were like, oh, look, there's Sean. And he pulls over, gets out, and starts, you know, hugging all of us. And, and doesn't have like, to. I oh, mean, no. He, he was on his way to. out. He's a star. Yeah. See you, losers. Yeah. <laughs> and he was just gracious. Yeah. He, he gets out and says, you guys are amazing. Just really, you know, enjoyed having you on the show. Uh, Nick Lachey, the host, walks out right after that. And he, you know, gives us all high fives or whatever. And then says to, to Sean, hey, man, we're having a party over at my place, blah, 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 blah. Do you want to come over? And uh, Sean says, you know what? I'm leaving town and I won't be able to tuck my kids into bed for like a week or two. And I uh, want to be able to make sure that I'm there tonight. Huge. For that. And, uh, and so I'm going to pass. But thanks, man. You know, and then and then Boom. we all say goodbye. And I thought that was super cool That's coming really from, cool. I mean, Boyz II Men is one of the most successful yeah. vocal, you know, groups ever, R&B, ever. anything. So, yeah. so it was super cool to see and that. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because it also shows that all these guys have a life. Right. 
But it, just because they have a life, it doesn't mean they still are living by their values and their principles either. I mean, that's what you probably saw behind the scenes is anyone can be famous. Well, and it was amazing to see who decided to take that fame and create this other kind of lifestyle yeah. and those who decided to keep those values and morals close and, and continue yeah. to, to have those great relationships at home and with friends Huge. and family and, and all of that. Isn't that funny? And you never would have seen that. Nope. And we never would have known it if you yep. had not gone that far. <laughs> so um, talk about for a sec uh, about um, revolution. Music, because it's really it's, – it's very deeply tied to a lot of, you know, kind of movements. Sure. I mean people, people rebel with their music. Oh, yeah. I mean you, you listen to music uh, even a couple years ago compared to what we're listening to now. And uh, styles just in general, outside of like, you know, classical and pop, but just like even within that pop realm, things change a lot. And uh, depending on, on, on movements people want to make and points people want to make and statements and all that, uh, music has a lot to do with yeah. how people can kind of portray that emotion. Yeah. That's it, isn't it? It's not, it's not the song. See, I heard somebody say, all the music that's ever going to play has been played. Right. <laughs> um, but it's really not a song. It's about the emotion. Well, and that's for me what music is. It's like you say, the chord progressions have been – I mean, used yeah. and used, and there's only so many words right. in the English language, and there's so many songs you can write about love and all of that. Yeah. But it's 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 creating an atmosphere and an emotion, and and being able to to just for three minutes or four minutes or, or eight minutes or twelve minutes in a symphony or something, create that peaceful or whatever place yeah. uh, that you can kind of escape to for a little while. Oh, we all need escape, right? Don't we? Absolutely, we do. It's the only way I get through life is a good song. But it's also powerful when um, – I think when you can – if you know you've got a talent for it, you, I think you need to step up. If Yeah, I, I'm a firm believer that if you have a talent and uh, you shy away from it and don't continue to use it, that it just goes away. Oh, yeah. And, and like I said before, it, it's amazing how when you decide to use your talents to bless others – how much more you start to like you enjoy yeah. it even more, oh, yeah. and and you think it's so backwards. If you're given, you know, you'd, you'd feel gypped, but no, you you feel so much more enriched, and everything just turns out so much better, and, and you feel so much more worthwhile because you decided to Huge. give up yourself. It's uh, my, so my this son that plays the music or plays and has some YouTube stuff. He um he went to a concert. They asked him to play in this concert at for a fundraiser for a university, and he played, and a man came up who was sitting right behind a speaker because uh, the way my son plays is he actually like will strum the chords of a, of, a, of a piano. Cool. And he'll dampen them and he'll play all these. Oh, and wow. he'll beat He'll play the, the beat inside Amazing. the box of the piano. And, um, but it's kind of hard to get the full effect because he can't do it all on stage real time. Sure. But uh, a guy comes up with tears in his eyes and says, that was the most moving thing I've ever heard because I quit playing piano and everyone told me I'm no good. <laughs> Um, so he just said, but, but my son didn't like learning the notes, but he never quit playing. And he, so he just came up, tears in his eyes, totally moved, looked at my son and said, don't ever give up. That just totally moved me. And it was like, I could see my 15 year old boy's face change. Like I just moved somewhere. And he is a 15 year old boy and he has friends and a normal life. Yeah. And he used the skills that he has in his community, in his place in the world 
to help that man or to help yeah. however many others yeah. who didn't come and that's talk right. to him. And that's and that's what Huge. it's all about. Well, and, it's, and it doesn't even matter if it's just music. We all have something to give. Absolutely. That's the lesson. McKayton, where can they find the information about Remix Vocal Academy? So RemixVocalAcademy.com uh, is the website. The camp happens July 8th through the 13th. And so we're getting down to the last couple of weeks. There's only limited amount of spots left. So make sure you check it out, remixvocalacademy.com. We're also on Facebook. Okay. Uh, search at Remix Vocal I'm Academy. sending my son. <laughs> if he's listening, Tanner, I've got something we're going to have you do. Looking forward July. to seeing you, Tanner. It'll be, yeah, see, McKay <laughs> says you're coming. McKay, appreciate you, brother. Hey, thanks so much for Keep having me. Keep it up and get on tour. I, hey, I, we need to have Vocal Point in here. We do. Let's get them on the radio. Let's figure that out. Okay, we'll do it for sure. <laughs> McKay Crockett, go check it out, by the way, at RemixVocalAcademy.com for that upcoming camp. And also, just keep looking for BYU's the is it the uh, Vocal Point. Yep. Brigham Young University. McKay Crockett, the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get more, even deeper, believe it or not, bringing in a college professor to tell us a story about some classical music that you just won't believe that caused a riot, by the way. This is the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. What are we talking about on Through the Garage Door? Well, just about anything goes. Not Anything, anything goes, but pretty much anything. Anything that has to do with rock and roll and this good rock and roll and that we love and are passionate about, that's what we're talking about. Catch BYU Radio's look into rock and roll on Through the Garage Door. Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays at 11 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. As private first-class Bradley Manning's court-martial begins, prosecutors are working to portray him as an arrogant source of one of the biggest leaks of classified information in U.S. history. However, the defense is countering by labeling the accused as a naive but well-intentioned soldier. Manning could face life in prison if he's convicted. New Jersey Senator Frank Lautenberg has died due to complications with viral pneumonia at the age of 89. He was the last senator to have served in World War II and championed smoking bans and gun control legislation during his long career. The Supreme Court ruled 5-4 to four today in favor of allowing police to take DNA samples from anyone arrested for a serious crime before they stand trial, meaning their information will be in the system indefinitely regardless of if they are convicted or not. New York City had both the hottest weekend of the year and the most violent. Over two dozen people were shot in the Big Apple over a 72-hour period, according to police. Seven of the shootings were fatal. The last victim of the Boston Marathon bombing was released from the hospital today with a long road to recovery still ahead as she lost one leg and the other was severely injured by the attack. The woman says she plans to walk again despite her injuries. In world news, Turkey's prime minister called protesters extremists who are walking arm-in-arm with terrorism today. After a weekend of violent demonstrations which left hundreds of police and protesters injured, police have turned water cannons and tear gas on the protests. A fire at a Chinese poultry plant left nearly 120 people dead early this morning, and more workers are still unaccounted for. Public criticism for poor regulations is being expressed throughout the country via social media. 
Torrential downpours in Central Europe are causing massive floods, especially in Prague, which is on high alert as floodwaters continue to rise. So far, at least four have lost their lives and thousands of homes have been evacuated. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend. Today, we are talking about music and the power of music. And on our team here at the Matt Townsend Show, we have an incredible producer. And um, her name is Merritt, Merritt Meekum. And she likes us to, uh, oh, yeah, she just showed me. Anyway, her mom and dad are music professors at Brigham Young University, Idaho, and her mom, Jessica Meekum, is on the phone with us right now. She has a master's degree in music history from Northwestern University, a master's in library science from BYU, four children. One of them's Merritt. And uh, hobbies include cooking, traveling, reading, and hiking. Now, Jessica, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having the time to do this. We tried to get you on to do this very story. We've had you on before, right? Yes. And we wa- but this story... Merritt will not let it go away. Um, <laughs> it's a great story. It is a great story. And then she started to tell us the story. Now, to set this up, um, you let me just let you explain it. There's a story of a composer from Russia named yes. Dmitry Shostakovich. Shostakovich. Not Shasta. Shostakovich. <laughs> tell us yes, the story, Shasta- because this is the essence, I think of music and its power, don't you think? I think so. And as a teacher, I absolutely love when I get the opportunity to talk about this because it really moves anyone, really, who hears about it. Um, And, you know, to put this in context just a little bit, um, Sostakovich was just 11 years old during the Russian Revolution of 1917. Uh And he was uh, pretty for a lot of the changes that were going on. He was, his parents were revolutionaries as well. And so initially, Shostakovich was very much into the new changes in Russia. And for a while, um, he was kind of touted as a young composer, as like this ideal Soviet composer. Yeah, very pro-Soviet. Yes, and that was definitely our perception of him Yeah. well. Okay. Yeah, and so... Um, he kind of was under good graces for quite a while. Um, Stalin actually really liked his music because he had written some music for propaganda films. And the music in Russia had just kind of gone through an overhaul because with the rise of Stalin, he decided that music was so powerful that music needed to be very tightly monitored and controlled. And a new board had been assimilated and created um, to say what music could and could not be. Oh, the music and, board. Yes, pretty much. Probably, really. Um, and really all of the arts, poetry, art, everything. And music and art and everything had to just be this certain way. Like it was a function. It wasn't about a heart, and it wasn't about something that's inside us. It's just kind of like it's with the outcome that matters. Yeah, 
it's the outcome and it's the propaganda. Yeah, yeah. And and that, you know, is an interesting thing. And it's not like the first time that music had ever been used as propaganda. Right, no, right. But now it was kind of basically the government saying, if your music does not support the government ideals, if it doesn't say exactly what we want it to say, if it doesn't portray us in a good light, then your music is not worthy of us. Therefore, and you'll so, die. Yeah, well, and uh, unfortunately, um, the Shostakovich saw many people in his circle um, banished, exiled, mm. sent to gulags, um, and executed. So, indeed, this was wow. a reality. Yeah. So, Shostakovich um, had written an opera called Lady Macbeth, and it was immensely popular. And it was a little scandalous because the story is is kind of seedy. Yeah. And Sostakovich was trying to do something specific with it, and he thought that it fit the definition of what the music should be like in Russia. He thought he was pretty safe. Yeah, he was. But he then, thought he was right in the right in the right in the crease there. Yes. Yeah. He felt confident that he was good to go. But when Stalin showed up one day for a performance of it, um, he was nervous. And he got even more nervous when Stalin left at intermission. And he was worried, and he should have been, because what came out next in the paper was an unsigned declaration denouncing Shostakovich, denouncing the opera, um, and basically flinging Shostakovich through the mud. And there's a little threat in it. It even says, you know, he needs to mend his ways or, quote-unquote, Things may end badly. Oh, scary. Really scary. Stalin telling you things may end badly. Yes. And there's been lots of, you know, who wrote this famous denunciation of Shostakovich. And it's generally agreed that it was Stalin himself who wrote it. Holy cow. He dictated it. Yeah. And it's hard to imagine that someone like that would micromanage. Right. But Stalin did, especially with music. Wow. So. So um, now he's on the bad list. He is very much on the bad list. He was told he could write an opera again if he had the libretto pre-approved and if he would go collect folk tune and only use folk tune in the operas. And his solution was to never write an opera yeah, again. Yeah, I wouldn't go near an opera ever again. Yeah, he said, no way. Um, and apparently he was a complete nervous wreck during this time, smoking incessantly and jumping at every little thing. And members of his family and his friends just started to disappear. Oh, my heavens. Yes. All in in this goal to get Shostakovich to comply, because now Shostakovich has become the poster child for the movement. What can, yes, yeah. of the movement, and this is what will happen if you don't comply. He, the movement of the seedy Lady Macbeth movement, but really the yeah. anti the anti Russian movement. Yeah, he became he became the symbol of what would happen to an artist. Oh yeah. If you, did not do what their government wanted you to do. Fall in line. Scary. Okay. Yes. So he never did another so, opera, huh? No. Nope. Never went down that road again. Did he and start he playing the banjo? <laughs> You'd think maybe on his front <laughs> Yeah, step, on his front a step, blues, a little accordion music. Yeah, but jazz was, you know, suspect as well. Was it really? And so, yeah. Went, oh, yes, absolutely. So he starts going through this artistic crisis. And um, he was in the middle of, his Symphony Number 4 was supposed to be premiered, but it was canceled. No one would play it. Oh, man. It was far too dangerous to be associated with. And so 
he began work on his next symphony, his fifth symphony, which is probably Shostakovich's most famous symphonic work. He wrote 15 symphonies, and this is probably the most famous one. Wow. Partly because it has this very famous folk legend associated with it that is just fantastic. Um, and a lot of it, we're not exactly sure how much of it is true because, of course, Shostakovich is, is working in a highly censored society, yeah. and anything that he writes or any communication, we don't know what he's saying. And he's not, yeah, he's not going to say it, right. Yeah, right. He has to protect himself. Plus, he has all this pain. They just beat oh, the yes. crud out of him, and he's now going to create his Fifth Symphony, which is probably going to be where he's going to channel all the pain. Yes. And that has been the very popular folk reading of this symphony, hmm. is that that symphony became almost a code or a secret legend, if you will. Um, some people even called that, um, I love this quote from um, a famous musicologist, he said his music became the secret diary of a nation. Oh, interesting. Their heart. You could read their yeah. heart. Mm-hmm. Like the and hurt course, heart. Oh, that's powerful. Yeah, it's really powerful. And so he writes this symphony, and this symphony, unlike a lot of, like opera, where obviously there's a story. Yeah, don't do that. Symphony, there's no story. In fact, not only is there a story, not a story, there is not even, there's no tempo markings, there's no expression markings, it's just plain music on a page. Interesting. Again, not to even give a glimmer of what maybe the music might mean. Yeah. And really, when we're talking about music that has no story with it, it's kind of hard to say what the music means. Right. But we do know a few things that happened at the premiere of Symphony Number no. 5, which lead us to believe that something very powerful happened there that night, and that the music has a deeper meaning than what is suggested, you know, than yeah. just the printed notes on a page it's not yeah it's not what is written it's what is conveyed through the music the emotion yes yes the feeling of the music powerful what and happened so, that night well what happened that night is that um he had a good crowd everyone wanted to see what poor shostakovich would do yeah this is his debut mm -hmm. his second yes. appearance yeah post. yes this is his appearance after the lady <laughs> macbeth debacle yeah. And after his, and a lot of family there. members started missing. Yes. yes, and he is apprehensive. He's uh -huh. nervous. Um, the symphony is played, and the largo of the symphony, the slow movement of this symphony, references some interesting things. Depending on what tempo you play it, it sounds very hymn-like, it sounds very church-like, and some people have interpreted it, interpreted it to be like um, an homage to people who had passed. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, it also references the opera Boris Gudinov, which is a very famous Russian opera, particularly a scene in which people bow down to the czar. Ooh. And so he references that as well, and people would have known that reference. Interesting. Um, during the slow movement, people in the audience just wept, and they spontaneously stood as if in respect. Holy cow. None of this is stated like that he this is the point he's making. This is just all felt. This is all felt. Yes, there's nothing that says this is what I am Stand trying to do with now. this music. Stand now, right. He, they just started standing up. They just stood up. Powerful.
after the end of the symphony, which has a very interesting ending where it switches between major and minor and major and minor and finally ends up major, but he doesn't follow the key quite right. So that even though it's a supposed happy ending, it has this very sardonic quality Ah. to it. And so even as it's happy, it's not. Even the very ending. Yeah. And so the symphony ends and the audience clap for half an hour. Oh my word. And the conductor Oh yes. The conductor raised the score over his head. Wow. And Shostakovich was sweating bullets because I'm, I'm dead. I'm dead. Yeah, he's yeah, he's <laughs> going, Oh no, I was too obvious, you know, yeah. I can't I you know, that's all that's what we can imagine what he's thinking. Totally. What we know from personal accounts is that he was so nervous and he was wishing people would sit down. Yeah, please sit down, please sit because down. Any spontaneous uprising was yeah. already suspect. That's dangerous and, right there. You know, and he was already in a hot spot as it was. Well, luckily for Shostakovich, the Russian authorities in attendance interpreted the crowd's, the crowd's reaction not as support of any supposed secret messages or understanding yeah, the they true feeling the of the music. Yeah. They missed the point and published another article in the paper saying supposedly signed by Shostakovich, but Shostakovich did not write this, in which Shostakovich apologizes and says, I am now offering this symphony as my apology piece. Wow. So that was the official interpretation of this symphony. Missed it. However, the official interpretation has not been quite popular. You know, what's popular is the folk interpretation that somehow this symphony speaks without words, but only through emotion and through musical references, something much deeper and expresses perhaps not an artist who is a happy little Soviet composer, but an artist who is suffering greatly at the hands of intense censorship. Love it. So it's a great, that's amazing story, which is why you don't mess with music. That's right. And, you know, it's been famous. I mean, Sibelius's uh, Finlandia, you know, was uh-huh. really important in th- overthrowing the Russian government in Finland. I mean, there are so many instances where music um, is tightly controlled by government because of its power. Well, you know what is amazing to me, Jessica, is, and the story was first told to us by Merritt, your daughter, mm-hmm. who probably learned it at your knee, I don't know, at 10, <laughs> at 7, and well, she, yeah, she's dropping Shostakovich's name like she. <laughs> but what's amazing is, um, it's it's powerful, and, and I mean these kids that are listening to this crazy rock and roll music, it's saying something to them, isn't it? Yes. It's there's some yeah. move. There's something to that. You know, music is not without message, no matter what kind it is. Mm-hmm. It always is saying something. It's either saying. Look at me, I'm so beautiful. Even though I'm not saying anything specific, I'm still speaking to the power of organization yeah. and theory and complexity. It's always saying something. Love it. We got about one minute, Jess, but I want to hear what's your... Okay, what do we need to know? So as as a professor of music and humanities, as somebody that can actually pronounce Shostakovich, <laughs> as a music history degree in from Northwestern University, what... What do we need to know about Shostakovich and his lesson and just about music and our families and our lives? 
Well, I think Sostakovich is such an interesting case study because so many people say, what could Shostakovich have done with his life if he wouldn't have been so heavily censored? Oh. But at the same time, I think the question deserves to be asked, what would have happened to Shostakovich's music if he had not had the pain. these incredible experiences that he had to go through? Would his music speak so strongly to us today Great question. if it didn't show um, you know, the strength of humanity and overcoming obstacles? Yeah. So Love I think it. that's a really interesting message about Shostakovich. And of course, in our lives, um, I think the message would be that we must in, indeed surround ourselves with things that are edifying, that make us better. Yeah. And um, that doesn't mean it has to be happy and cheerful. No. It just means that it needs to make us think and it needs to make us be a better person. Love that. And be okay with some of the trials we have because they may be forming our music. They may be forming yeah. our heart and our gift and yeah. our light that we can bring. Absolutely. Man, Jessica, now I know where Merritt gets it. <laughs> you, Merritt yeah. is an amazing, amazing, gifted member of this team. She actually, she won't admit it, but she runs the team. We love her. We miss her. I know. Keep a, you know, you know, we're, we, she's ours now, but um, we'll send <laughs> well, her up to she Idaho. She loves her job. Now. She tells me all the time how Is much she? she loves her job. Well, so. she, you're, you're her mother. You have to there. say that. <laughs> well, we appreciate you, Jessica, and good luck up there at BYU-Idaho. Thank you. Keep them singing and playing instruments. Absolutely. You're the best. Great lesson. Holy cow. You can't mess with someone's music. If you mess with the music... You can shut it off, you can turn it off, but you can't take the song out of the heart. Hope we're learning that, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to come home home, and wrap it back up in a bit uh, right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. It's the next step beyond virtual reality. Putting the simulation in a real plane and flying it. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Flight simulators are nothing new, and even the ones you might play with at home are fairly realistic today. But there's still a gap between what it feels like to be in a chair on the ground and being in the air for real. NASA's Dryden Flight Research Center has been working with Systems Technology Incorporated on the next step, not just in flight simulation, but in adding virtual overlays to real-world perceptions. They call it fused reality, where a computer simulation reads the plane's motions in real time, sees the same world you do, and adds to that reality with matching virtual environments and data displays. What's fused reality good for? It can save a lot of money while improving training and safety. For example, a pilot can practice mid-air refueling in the air with a virtual tanker in his windshield instead of the real thing. He'll see and feel everything exactly as if the tanker was there in any kind of conditions, but without the danger or expense of flying the tanker. Someday, commercial pilots could be using fused reality to guide them into foggy airports. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us.
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Music, isn't that powerful? I mean, we just we just edified you with, with history, music history of Shostakovich. Don't say that the Matt Townsend Show is not trying to edify and educate. Um, I don't know who'd be saying that, but we are. And now we're going to get to a, a really important question. Rob has a question from the interweb. Because the Internet asks and yeah. Matt answers. Okay, so the question comes from a girl who has a boyfriend. She writes, her boyfriend is a musician, and he's been building up his band and practicing. repertoire, yeah. Started posting videos to YouTube and says, oh, what do you think? What do you think? Check us out. Isn't this cool? And she says, well, (laughs) I tell him he's doing okay, you know, that that he's pretty good. Kind of dance around it, you know, say, oh, well, that was a good song choice. I, I, I like the way you arranged that. But the truth is, he's not that good. He's not that good. Oh. So she's debating, well, what do I do? Do I just kind of, I'm afraid if I tell him the truth, he won't mm-hmm. like her anymore. What did oh, she do? Oh, my word. Okay. By the way, age-old issue, right? So what do you do when your your partner loves cooking and her cooking's not that great? Or um, your boyfriend loves being in a band and playing music, but it's just not that great. Or your child loves dancing like me, and you know that they're not a great dancer, like my mom said. And um, so what do we do? Okay, here's, a, here's a, an age-old issue. Honesty, supposedly, is the best policy. Um, I agree. And so is compassion. Now, here's your dilemma. If we keep being... If we let compassion beat honesty, you might have a husband that goes into a music career and it's not going to work or a boyfriend that goes into a music career. Um, so I guess what I would try to do is, A, see if we have a strong enough relationship that I can bring it up um, that – or maybe I'm missing it. Like I'm not quite getting it. I'm not getting your – I'm not. I'm missing it. But here's – let me give you another way because one of the rules of all relationships is – and in everything, we all need a feedback loop. Meaning if I do something, I need a feedback loop from other people as to how it's landing, how it's working, how it's not working. If this guy's music isn't cutting it, he needs a feedback loop. It doesn't mean I'm the one that has to give the feedback loop. It means I might try to – I might set up another feedback loop like let's have a concert. Let's have a concert. Let's set up a concert. Let's get all your friends there and then let's get you some feedback. Now all of a sudden I've got a room of however many people you can get in this guy's room and let everyone else give him some feedback or let the lack of people buying his stuff give him some feedback. I had a son that just put some uh, songs that he's done up on iTunes and he's getting feedback. He's getting very quick feedback if these things are selling or not. Very real time. And so – Um, The interesting thing is we don't have to tell him up or down, yes or no, good or bad. The feedback itself is starting to tell him. And another thing I found that's amazing is just getting getting this person, get your husband, in front of a professional. Get him in front of somebody that doesn't have a vested interest that's not dating him and give him feedback. Take him to a professor like Merritt's mom and let her give feedback. Take him to an expert in or an agent and see if he can get an agent. I mean, if you can't get an agent and you can't get people to buy your stuff and no one comes to your concerts, you're getting feedback. If no one's looking at your YouTube videos, you're getting feedback. The key, I guess, would be I love him regardless. 
and go find some of the joy that he finds in it and because he's probably going to hit the wall when he starts getting feedback from others that it's not working. Now, everyone in the band's telling him it's great because they're all in the band and they're probably blowing their eardrums out. But um, teachers, professors, other people around him are going to give him. Now, what else might be happening is you may be missing this great savant, this major, incredible, talented wizard. You may just be missing how great he really is. Okay? Highly doubt that. Give feedback. If you can't give it directly because it's just too hard, it's too personal, then find other ways to support him and and get a feedback loop back to him. If he's still not going to get the message, then I might – I mean, believe me, I've seen couples that have done this for 10 years. The husband kept trying to be in a band and it was never working. I'd eventually set some boundaries like, look, we need to move on. If this isn't going to work, we need to move on. Let's go get some feedback. If they say three out of five of these people we have, if they say, yes, you're talented, keep going, make it happen, then let's agree to make it happen. But then I'd go choose people that will give very real feedback. Oh, that's a hard one. And by the way, that's true with everything. You can always invite people over. If you don't like your wife's cooking and she keeps thinking it's great, invite 20 people over and you might find out, you know what? It's you that doesn't understand what good cooking is. Um, That's my feedback on that. One more thing about this music. Um, Don't – and it kind of goes hand in hand with what we were just talking about. I have this daughter that got married, and um, one of the most powerful things that I heard her say around the time of the marriage is when she got married was um, one thing she really wants to make sure happens is that um, I would always listen to her music, and I would just seriously sit there in our den and listen to her play, and I'd always ask her to play. I'd ask my other kids to play. There's something about you being willing to just enjoy the art of another person. So can I challenge you as you're about to leave – and we're done with the show. I want you to go. If you have people in your family that have talents, gifts, singing, music, uh, you know, athletes, uh, acting, whatever talents and gifts they've got, will you make it a point to go and give some of your time and your attention to not just growing it, but to starting to appreciate the music of another person? Sometimes the music of another person may not sound like you think it should sound. But you might actually just get to sit back and see kind of your partner or this person open up and become something that you may not normally see. So give somebody else a gift and let them live their talents of music and other gifts. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We hope you found something good in this one about music. We really uh, want to help you find the good in the world. Believe me, there's good stuff out there. Listen to some good music and guide your family, your children, and others to enjoying music as well. It can heal, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back tomorrow with more ideas, tools, and a leg up in this crazy thing we call life right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.